right, so today we're going to be talking about being glad and that it's a choice. <laughs> um, so I don't know about you, but whenever I think about the word glad, like my whole life, every time I've thought of it, I've just thought of it as being um, an adjective and meaning the same thing as happy. And that's all I ever really thought about it. Good word, but <laughs> um, actually, uh, and it can be an adjective, but there are a lot of places in the Bible where that word glad comes from the Greek word Cairo, and um, it's a verb. It's an action word, and it means the same thing as rejoice. It's something that you do. So I, I don't know why. I guess I just never thought of it that way before. But um, so on the screen, the word Cairo. Um, so in the biblical usage, it means to rejoice, uh, to be glad, to rejoice exceedingly, to be well, and to thrive. And Strong's verb definition of it was to be cheerful Example, calmly, happy, or well off. So being glad is an action, and it's kind of interchangeable with rejoicing. And um, just like anything else, any other verb, it's something that we can choose to do or not do. It, it's a choice. So I want you to raise your hand if you've ever seen the movie. It's an old movie from 1960 called Pollyanna. Okay, so some of you have seen it. Uh, it's about an 11-year-old girl, and she goes uh, to live with her aunt, who is pretty strict, um, after her father dies. And she goes through this town, and she teaches a lot of cynical people uh, how to find the silver lining and the darkest clouds, and that you can always find something to be glad about even in the middle of bad things. So today I'm going to show you a couple of clips from that movie. Um, I love it, and I've thought about this movie at different times in my life. But I'm going to go ahead and show you one clip right now for you all to watch. A couple minutes long. Would you like someone to practice your sermon on? No, no thank you, John. Uh, Mother and I used to be an audience to my father. When he was practicing his sermons. He, he was a minister too, you know. Oh, yes. Yes, so he was. Uh, do you like being a minister? Do I like being a... Now, why would you ask a thing like that? Oh, the way you look just then. Reminded me of my father. Once I saw him sort of sad like that, and I asked him. And what did he say? Hmm. Said he was glad he was. But it made him sad sometimes when he just couldn't seem to get through to his congregation. Sounds familiar. I suppose every minister of God faces the same problem. I suppose. Tell me. 
Did your father ever solve the problem? Well, he read something one day that said helped him. In the Bible? No, just something he read someplace. He had it put on this chain. He wore it always. It's all I have of his. When you look for the bad... Ugh, it always has to be cross-eyed. May I? Mm. When you look for the bad in mankind, expecting to find it, you surely will. Abraham Lincoln. He was the president. Yes. Yes, I know. But I never heard that before. Neither of my father. Anyway, he said it started him thinking. And from then on, he was going to look for the good in people. That's when we both started searching the Bible for the texts. The texts? Yes. You know. My father called them the glad passages. You know. The happy ones, like, um... Uh, shout for joy, or be glad in the Lord. You know, like that. There are 800 happy texts. Did you know that? No, I didn't know that. Yes, well, there are. And you know, my father says, if God took the trouble to tell us 800 times to be glad and rejoice, he must have wanted us to do it. Oh, I'd better be going now. I'm sorry I disturbed your practicing. I'll see you later. Uh... Bye. You guys all need to see that movie if you haven't. That's cute. <laughs> but so we know that God wants us to be glad. And he wants us to rejoice. But when does he want us to rejoice and be glad? Paul tells us in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, Rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So in that little bit of scripture, Paul tells us three things to do. Rejoice always, and that word rejoice comes from that Greek word kairo, which means to be glad. And pray continually and give thanks in all circumstances. And that's God's will for us. So does he tell us to be glad and rejoice only when things are going great and wonderful and we don't have anything to complain about? No, he tells us to do it always. But, again, it's our choice whether we do it or not because we have free will. Okay, I'm going to show you another, this is the last clip from the movie that I'm going to show, but it's where Pollyanna teaches someone the glad game. And so she goes around town, all these cynical people, and she teaches them the glad game. So this is where that comes from. Now, I'm not trying to sell you the brass, but it is durable. Now, the silver's pretty, and I think you're right about the brass. Oh, I don't know. I just can't make up my mind. Of course, the effect of silver is always in good taste. Hello, Mrs. Snow. Well, where have you been, you naughty girl? Oh, I'm sorry. I've been helping for the bazaar. Hello, Mr. Murray. How do you do? What do you got there? Don't bring those dirty rags in here. Get them off my bed. Oh, they aren't dirty rags. They're patchwork squares. 
Mrs. Golferson made them. I thought perhaps you'd like to stitch them together to make a patchwork quilt for the bazaar. What an impertinent child. Listen, you just take them right out of here. I'm not going to do anything of the sort. But everyone's helping. Mr. Neely, the Julians, and even old Mrs. Thurm. Oh, she wants me to work in my condition. Don't bother Mrs. Snow, girl. She's a very sick woman. Well, I thought it might give you something to do instead of just lying around. I mean, the bazaar's for an awfully good cause. Well, it's a waste of time. Nobody will come to it. You wait and see. That's right. Why not? Because, because of your aunt. That's why not. Well, I don't understand. Well, we do, don't we, Mr. Merg? Indeed we do. Yes, well. Now, about this white satin. I think it's lovely. This, this is my first choice. And I think the best one. Yes. It'll look, look lovely against the brass handles. Yes. Are you having a dress made? Don't be impertinent. I'm picking the lining from a coffin. That's right. But you're not going to die. Does she have to be here? Go on into the kitchen and talk to Mildred. Now, now this satin is lovely. Well, it's all settled then. Thirteen yards of the white satin at a dollar twenty the yard. And the brass coffin handled. Well, all right, all right, write it up. Stop frowning at me like that. What's the matter with you? Well, it's just that when a person shouldn't think about dying so much, I don't want you to die. Oh, bless you for that. Seems everyone else can't wait. <clears throat> I'm not supposed to talk about my father at home, but I guess it's all right here. My father used to say, a person should think about living. Why don't you go outside and play? Hush up. I want to hear what she has to say. Yes, Miss Snow, yes. It just reminded me about my father and the doll. You see, I always wanted a doll, but we never had enough money for things like that. My father was a minister. But surely he could afford a little thing like a doll. Well, he couldn't. We had to have the money for food. Oh, for heaven's sake. So anyway... My father wrote to the missionary people and asked them to please send a little second-hand doll. Well, it was a funny mistake. When the missionary bells came, instead of a doll, they sent a pair of crutches. Well, of course, I was rather disappointed, so my father made up the glad game. The what game? She's been pestering folks all over town with this sunshine and happiness thing. Hearts and flowers, enough to make you sick. Hush up. I want to hear it. Certainly. Anyway, about the crutches, my father said, don't let's be gloomy, let's try and find something to be glad about. So we made a game of it, the glad game. The glad game. So anyway, we played the game, and after a while, I forgot about the doll and being gloomy. And you know what? I found a reason for being glad. Well, there's nothing happy about a pair of crutches. Well, we were glad that we didn't have to use them. Why must you bedevil this poor dying woman with your childish, silly little stories? I just thought you could play the game. You could be glad you don't need this horrid old coffin. You could help others by making the patchwork quilt for the orphans if you wanted. You ought to forget about dying and be glad you're living. Oh, I don't care what you do. I'm not going to come and see you anymore. I... I didn't mean to hurt her feelings. 
She's serious about it, isn't she? Oh, please, please, Mr. Murd, leave me alone. I'm sorry if I... Please. Please leave me alone. Okay, so that's the glad game. So it's anytime something is going wrong, you just try to find the silver lining. Try to find something to be glad about. It, it's a choice. It is something that you have to do. So um, since I saw that when I was little, there have been all different times in my life when I've thought about it and have actually used it. So I hope that you'll be able to use that in the future. And it's funny because... Um, I was just playing it a couple weeks ago. My mom um, came and she was helping me paint my um, master bathroom. And I found myself grumbling, not like really mean, bad grumbling, but uh, like in the little toilet part of my bathroom is tiny and so and it you know, kind of tall, so I was thinking about how I was going to have to squeeze myself in there to paint the baseboards, and the ladder wouldn't fit in there right, and it was hard to get on the ladder because the ladder barely fit, and I was an acrobat in the air, and so I was just like, oh, we got to go in there and do the baseboards, and, and so then we started thinking about the glad game, and so then we were like, oh, well, I'm glad I have a bathroom, and I'm glad I had the money to buy the paint to paint the bathroom, and I'm glad we get to spend time together, and so we were playing it. It was kind of funny, but um, uh, anyway, but ha- like in that scenario, have you ever been working on something with a group of people, and you have somebody or more than one people who are grumbling about it the whole time, and you're like, Okay, this is already bad enough. Do we really have to grumb- hear the grumbling about it, too? It just makes it worse. Uh, but I probably have been that person before. But <laughs> if you're ever in that position in the future, maybe you can just try to teach them the glad game. Um, but anyway, so Pollyanna and her dad were not the first ones to play the glad game. They were playing it back in Bible times. Did y'all know that? They were. Um, so in Acts 5, 40 through 41, the apostles played it. So it says, they, meaning the Sanhedrin, called the apostles in and had them flogged. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing or being glad Because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. So these people had just been flogged. And I thought I had, I mean, I had a good idea of what flogging was already. But I looked it up and what I saw, it said, um, flogging is the act of whipping or lashing someone or the act of methodically beating the human body with special implements such as whips, lashes, rods, or any other device that inflicts pain and harm. Most of the time it involves a severe beating or chastisement. So being flogged is one of the most inhumane things that one person or persons can do to another. So these people had been flogged 
these apostles, and yet they played the glad game. They found something to be glad about, even in the middle of that. And, and that was a choice they made. <laughs> they may not have felt like rejoicing, you know. Um, Paul also played the glad game when he was in chains in Philippians 1, 12 through 18. It says, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I'm in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes. And I will continue to rejoice or be glad, for I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. So here again, he could have focused on the negative. He could have focused on the fact that he was in chains, um, but he didn't. He chose to be glad. Um, so... Prayer requests and praise reports, I think if you had a list of those two, Paul, I think his list would probably be heavy on the praise report side, (laughs) because no matter what, even during bad things, he could still find something to be glad about. But playing the glad game is not always easy. And I was really tested in this last night. I was kind of cracking up. In the midst of my bad mood. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, it, it really requires you to lay down some flesh. Um, it really does. And I think that what happened to me yesterday uh, was really the Lord letting me go through that. Because as I was... I'm getting ready for this lesson, and I was thinking about the glad game, and, you know, oh, it's so easy. Just play the glad game in the middle of your trials, you know. (laughs) If you read this, if you read these scriptures that I just shared, you know, it, it makes it seem like they didn't have a hard time doing it. You know, yeah, they rejoiced. And it doesn't let us know from the Bible passage whether or not they had a hard time doing that. If you think about the apostles who were flogged, they had most likely open, raw, stinging sores, burning that they were having to deal with, being persecuted. From the scripture, it makes it sound like it was an easy thing to do. That might have been really hard for them to get past all of that. 
and to be able to rejoice. Paul was separated from his friends. I know he was wanting to go around and check on the churches and mentor the people in the churches, the new Christians. And he was stuck in palace guard. And he did find a way to rejoice, and he led people to Christ even right there where he was. But he might have had to lay down some flesh (laughs) to be able to find a way to be glad even in the middle of that. Um, You know, last (laughs) yesterday I was trying to get everything ready so that I could go to girls' night out and have dinner with my friends, and I finished it all up. I was so excited, and I was going to send my stuff to Theresa, and I thought I'll send it to myself too and just check it and make sure it was all great. And I sent it, and I opened it up on mine, and... My slides, I was missing four of them. Like, it didn't save them. And I was really proud of myself for doing the slides because I never do those. (laughs) And so I thought, okay, well, I'm not going to be able to go to dinner because I want to get this finished. And um, so I redid that. I had to redo some things on the message part that I had sent her. And uh, so finally finished. And again, it wouldn't work. I should have just let Theresa do it. It takes her five seconds. But anyway, so then I was going to go to her house, and she was going to help me with some things. I go to, and and at this point, I'm starting to get tired, which kind of adds to the grumpiness. And so then I go to get in the car, and there's no car charger in there for my phone, which I need. I go back in and get that. And then I'm backing down the driveway and look at the gas tank in Al's car, and it's almost on empty. So I get everything out of the car, and I'm putting it in the other car and realize there's no car charger in that car. And then it was just like one thing after another after another, and I'm just getting grumpy and grumpy, and I'm thinking, I'm really having a hard time being glad. I was really trying to play the glad game, and I was just getting in a worse and worse mood. (laughs) And I was like, no, Lord, I'm going to find something to be glad about. So I was telling myself things to be glad about. But I think the Lord helped me. You know, he wanted me to bring that point out today that it's not always easy. And this was a trivial, meaningless thing. You know, that that happened to me yesterday, that was really, I mean, absolutely nothing. But it's it's not always easy easy to do. We just really have to try even that much harder sometimes. (laughs) Um, Let me see. Okay, another thing I wanted to hit on today is something that can keep us from wanting to rejoice and be glad, and that's when we start comparing ourselves to others. If we compare ourselves to others in the negative kind of way, It takes our focus off of what we can be glad about, and it can help make us be discontent with our own lives, or it can make you get angry at God, or God, how come I don't have that, or how come I don't look like that, or how come they get to do that and I don't, or so comparing yourself to others can really cause you 
to not want to rejoice and be glad if you do it in the negative way. There's a good kind of way. You might look at someone and you might think, that person is really generous. I really want to strive to be more like that and work toward that and think of it in a good way. But if you're comparing yourself to someone else and it's taking joy away from you, if it's making you feel discontent, if it's making you feel jealous, if it's giving you all of those feelings that aren't good ones, you really need to um, shut those thoughts down. So comparison is the thief of joy. We need to try our hardest to keep away from that. (laughs) Unless you're thinking about it in a good way and thinking about how blessed you are. Um, So if you are feeling down about anything, you can remember Philippians 4.8. And it says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So basically right there, that scripture, that's telling you to play the glad game. (laughs) So that was Philippians 4, 8. Psalm 118, 24 says, This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And if you have to, as Joyce Meyer says, notify your face that you're saved. (laughs) Don't walk around looking gloomy. And she also says, if you're not going to wear Jesus on your face, don't wear him on your bumper, on your car bumper. Choose to be glad and let your face reveal that. You know, if you're walking around with a gloomy face all the time, you know, and people know you're a Christian, are they going to want that? (laughs) You know, sometimes we have to... Um, have Jesus show in our face, and our heart and our mind will follow sometimes. Uh, So the other day, Al and I were with a friend, and I asked him how he was doing, and his answer was, great, I woke up this morning. So if nothing else, just at least you can be glad that you're alive, that you're here. God has a plan for you. He's not finished with you yet. And if you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior... You can always be glad about that. He's with you always. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. His favor can supernaturally open doors for you. And no matter what happens on this earth, one day you'll be with him in heaven. And you can always, always remember that. That is something you can always be glad about. So, um... Looking around the room, I believe everyone in here is saved and have accepted Jesus as your Savior. But in a minute, we're going to get into some prayer groups. And um, if you haven't ever done that before, instead of getting in your prayer group, I'd love for you to come up here and um, come up and talk to me down here. But because uh, I want you to have that hope. And that's something to be glad about, too, that you have Jesus inside of you. Um, so 
that's that. What we're going to do now, if you've never been to one of our brunches before, we're going to break out into some small uh, prayer groups. And um, we've...